Are you stuck in the gravitational pull of the black hole of urgency? Or maybe you're figuring out some ways to escape that force and move forward to be a more strategic leader. Or perhaps you've already figured it out. Depending on where you are in your journey, today's show will offer you a chance to see a path forward or to reflect on where you've been, or maybe both. We'll do this by reliving our guest journey from a new assistant principal to a third-year veteran. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast is to help improve life and leadership for assistant principals. This podcast complements APEX, the Assistant Principal Acceleration Program, but you certainly don't need to be an APEX member to find value in the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Maria Werner, the assistant principal at Westcliff Elementary School in Greenville, South Carolina. And Maria is here with us today to help unpack the assistant principal's journey. Hello, Maria. Hi, Frederick. Maria, we go way back. I was your instructor and internship supervisor in your principal licensure program at Clemson. You've been a podcast guest, episode 31, for people that want to go research. And uh, during the past two years, you've been a really active member in our Apex community. And the inspiration for today's show came when we were on a group coaching call a couple weeks ago, and we had a new assistant principal in the group, and you were describing kind of your journey as an AP from that first year, second year, and then where you are today. And I just had this wow moment of, that's the journey. That's the journey I've been trying to take people on. And so we wanted to provide this chance for you to reflect on that, for us to celebrate together, and then also for listeners to get some insights about their own journey based on your experiences. So before we do that, can you tell people briefly how you got to where you are today? Sure. So I was one of those that always wanted to be a teacher, always wanted to go into education. So I was blessed with kind of a, a set idea for my future well before my future was, was there. And I stepped into the classroom out of my undergrad in Florida so many years ago in a third grade classroom. From there, I was, that was a charter public setting. From there, I went into a private setting and taught first grade and then came back to my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina after my husband and I had our first child and actually taught at the first school I ever had a teaching experience in when I was in high school. I did a teacher cadet program and ended up teaching at that school in the second grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade, and that is where our paths crossed while I was working towards my master's in administration and leadership from Clemson, and I had a fabulous mentor and principal there that really, uh, her thing, I guess, her, her niche is to grow leaders, um, and I think she spoke to that on a podcast episode, actually, um, so I, she, I had her, her assistance in my growth, and I had you as a, a great mentor, and in the crazy year that was 2020, 
I stepped out of the classroom and into an administrative role. Great timing, um, Maria. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely had a unique path into into a leadership role within a school building, and then, like you said, the it authentically came about in one of our Apex group sessions. This um, this idea around kind of the the cycle of of moving out of an urgent leader and into a strategic one. So I'm excited to kind of dig into my journey with that today. Good. And before we go that route, tell me what you're celebrating. <laughs> of course, yeah, you can't go go without talking about celebrations. So I thought about this one. I have a little experience knowing it's coming. And I am celebrating right now, being that we are a day shy of Thanksgiving, um, I have so much to be grateful for and many blessings in my life. Um, however, I'm celebrating clarity and self-awareness right now. Um, I have a very clear vision, much more clear than I feel like I've had in the past of my why and um, all of the self-awareness that comes with, with that has been a journey an individual journey that I've taken that has really instilled a lot of confidence and um, acceptance and that is a good feeling. So I'm celebrating that. Wow. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And we're not going to go in into any detail here, but you and I have been working together for a couple of years. And I would just say to, to listeners you know, we all know it's not a smooth journey and we all know that there are challenges sometimes within the school, sometimes outside of the school um, that hit us. And, and we can go through these really rocky, challenging periods um, and, and be frustrated. And, and the thing that's beautiful about what you just said is you've gone through some of those experiences and you've come out on the other side. And, and I have seen you through that struggle grow. And just in the last couple months, you know, it's been like a switch has gone off and I've watched you transition from being, carrying that baggage and, and letting some things, you know, weigh you down to that discovery point of that's not what it's about and cutting loose and then having that light switch go on. So thank you for sharing that. And I think that whole idea about being intentional in the place you're at is is a is symbolic of that process of letting some of the other stuff go and the holiday season can be a rush but i think it is also a season that can sometimes focus us so thanks for sharing that with everybody absolutely okay so before we kick this off every school's different every leader's different um but we're going to look at your specific journey and your specific context. And I want to emphasize you oversee several special ed classrooms, including one that is for kids with emotional challenges. You're responsible for discipline. So when you talk about your journey and instructional leadership, this is this is what you've achieved in a this is a real school. These are real challenges. You're not in some, you know, fairy tale school where you can have all day to do this stuff. So this is grounded in the real world. 
I like to think of the leader's journey as these three distinct phases. So the first one is we're kind of focused on serving everyone and that puts us into that urgent zone and we're running around all the time, not making the progress that we want to make. And, and there's a transition that, that happens. And then we begin to take control of our time and we start really thinking about priorities as opposed to tasks and, and develop some skills in how we manage that part of the journey. And then finally, we move into this proactive and strategic phase um, where we are doing the work that really moves our organization forward. So this is a journey that I preach. This is the journey that you described to me unprompted. So let's start working through those phases. Phase one is getting into that school that first year and having that urgency mindset. Talk to me about first what you were thinking and how you viewed your job. And then we'll look into some of the, the way that you were spending your time. Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I stepped into an administrative role in a very unique time. It was 2020. I I interviewed for my position um, on one of those two days that we were out before it was really called that we weren't returning. Um, and then was offered the position and come the fall, it, we didn't know up until I think a week prior to the school start date, what even school was going to look like. Um, so my mindset was really focused in kind of proving myself and proving that I went into an administrative role, the reasons I went into an administrative role, which Yes, I aspired to be a school administrator because I wanted to bring what it was what it was like to be in the classroom or always remembering what it was like to be in the classroom or be a voice for the teachers. And that was an aspect and still is an aspect of of my leadership um, journey and what I stand for. But at the same time, I took that and my mindset was to sh to show myself show that that was my reasoning I needed to be everything for everyone and got lost quickly lost in doing for instead of growing and I think it kind of I didn't wreck it have a true awareness of my own self-worth or why I was brought into that role to be able to snap out of just whatever was placed in front of me, I was going to solve that problem. Which is which is completely the urgent trap. So what? how do you remember those days? What were the kinds of things that you were doing? I was something that I try to still do to this day and learned from um, my former principal when I was in my internship was she makes an effort to circle the building and greet or start the day with eye, to eye, eye contact with all of her people. And so I was very intentional when I started there and still, still very much try to be where I poke my head into every classroom to start the day and 
in administration, you don't necessarily have, when you come out of the classroom, in the classroom, you had a lesson plan that said this lesson started at this time and ended at this time, and this is the components that were going to take place. In administration, you don't have that. You have, yes, you have a list of responsibilities or you know what you're responsible for, but you don't have, your day isn't laid out in a lesson plan or a daily plan. And so my day was spiraling off of whatever came from those pop-ins in the morning. And the bell was ringing at 2.10 and I was going, ah, <laughs> what? <laughs> wait a second, um, what did I do today? So um, I I was seeing the worth. Obviously, we had instructional leadership meetings as we would and things that were scheduled into my day that were happening that I felt were effective, productive. Um, but outside of that, if I wasn't prepping for testing or working alongside of a student in a disciplinary full action, I was doing four teachers. And, and so when did your, when did your mindset begin to shift and was there, were there, was there a specific event or series of events or just do you think evolution? Well, I think that I, we were kind of getting out of the weeds of what does school look like post-COVID with finally officially reached the, we have every student every day in our building. Um, we had little waves and bumps along the way. There was a January of last year, I think, that it was like our, our we might need to close again because of the we just couldn't get enough adults in the building. Um, there was a big surge. And so there was a lot of talk around, I feel like at with within leaders, leadership settings. So my AP meetings, um, district level meetings about what our goals were and how do we still, and I think we talked some too about it's a, it's a hard, we want to grow people, but at the same time, we really recognize that this is a very, this is something that nobody in their lifetime has faced before for those that are living right now. We haven't had a, a surge pandemic illness like this in anybody's lifetime. So what does this what does leadership look like in a school building under these circumstances? And I think that's why it was easy to fall into the doing everything for everyone because I cared about the people, still care about the people, but I have a much greater awareness of why I was brought into the role I was brought into and how important it is that I stick to my role and utilize my role to still meet the needs of my teachers, but in a way that I'm doing to my greatest potential too. 
This reminds me of something that I've been hearing and reading about, and I think I did a post on LinkedIn about it, but moving from this mindset of when we're doing four and then think that doing for people and caring for people is different than growing people. Like we see these as two different things, but you know, we've had this conversation when you're in, when you're helping teachers grow and people are getting better in their craft and having better results with kids, that's like, that's the best self-care. That's the best way we can help people is to help them grow. And you said earlier that, that I think that transition of going from whatever I can do for everybody to what are the things that only I can do? What are the things that are the priorities of why I was brought in and why I can serve? And that's that transition of starting to think like, I got to be growing people. Right. And I think that I was, it, it's also easy to fall into that urgency when you are in the stage of learning the school. I, I was in a new school, school building with a very different demographic from the school that I came from in the class teaching and understanding the culture that was there and the um, areas of strength, areas of opportunities for growth, because I wasn't aware of those things yet. I, I was observing and getting a handle on them. I knew I, looking at test data that, yeah, I believe that these students should be doing better, but I didn't know the why they weren't. I didn't know what was contributing to that yet. So in that time of stepping back and observing, it was easy to fall into just doing for with whatever problem was put in front of me. And then once I got that handle on, okay, I, I kind of see now where I, I feel we need to move as a collective group of educators, but I can't do that. I can't talk, have those conversations with my, with our leadership team or devise that plan for that cycle. And because I've got a laundry line of, of people out my office door waiting for their problems to be solved. So I think that was kind of really where, I, where the shift came was once I felt like I knew I had a handle on where we were how it has been and what what I could bring to the table to help us move forward. I love that. It's almost like you know, landing in the forest and and you just keep running into tree after tree after tree. <laughs> and and you start to make that transition of, oh, here's here's a map that shows me where I'm where I'm at and where I need to go. So it's being able to see the whole forest as opposed to just being caught in in every tree. So what are some of the things that you began doing that helped cut down the number of people in that line out that door? And it, and again, we're not talking all of a sudden your day's transformed and you have hours to spend in a classroom, right? We're talking about finding minutes. We don't need hours. We just need to find minutes to start reinvesting in teacher growth. So how did you, what processes and things did you put in place to find some of those minutes? So the summer after my first year in my role at my school, I pre pretty much, I was the, I, the administrator of our summer program and 
our school small to start with. So the summer program was, was not huge by any means. We had four or five classes of 12 kids. So during those days, I'm not doing discipline. I didn't have textbooks. And that was really a valued time for me and my, I guess, proactiveness for setting up the next year to move more towards my purpose. And so what I did that summer was pretty much spent the entire four weeks um, refining, working through our SOPs. Um, and our principals are 12 months. So my principal was there. And Stand SOP is standard operating yeah. procedure for people that miss that terminology. Yeah. Yes, yes. The standard operating procedures. It's funny. I We even talk about the SOPs at home now. <laughs> um, I have with two young children. And so we need some SOPs in our lives everywhere. But um, so I, I made a, a school landing page, essentially, that had everything. I, ha I have seen the idea, I think, I believe on Twitter, um, in my professional network there. And it was a a landing page of hyperlinks to everything a teacher could ever need for ease of access in their day-to-day -day, um, start and finish of a school day. And I, I did that because a lot of the times the things that were brought to me were, uh, when, when the walk away, it was like, why didn't we already know this? Or why wasn't this an easy problem to solve? Or, and it just kind of kept on coming back to those, those standard operating procedures. And coming from a much larger school, I think in those settings, you're forced to have those very clear and concrete, where in a smaller setting, it's not so... Uh, obvious when you don't have standard operating procedures that are very everybody's very knowledgeable of. Um, so, so I made that landing page and it was received very, very well, um, which it boosts my confidence and feeling like I had done something that was purposeful for the, the what was put in front of me but at the same time was going to reduce or minimize it from continuing to take up time in my day. Yeah. And so there's five basic strategies for, for moving into that strategic zone, right? Being, being strategically reactive is the way to get things under control. And then you can move to being proactive. And what you're talking about is the strategy of giving things back and you created a structure and you created resources for people that when they came to you with things, you didn't have to, you just gave it back, right? That's in this place. You can go check that resource. So that's a great illustration of one of those strategies. And again, that doesn't free up an hour of your day, but it may free up five minutes that then you can go and do a five minute coaching session with one of your teachers. Yes. And it kind of, it accomplished, it was like, two birds with one stone because I, I recognized that I was, I, I don't think I was necessarily out of the state of proving myself or showing my worth. And I, I made, by 
investing the time to make this tool that was very useful, I could do that. I showed that, that I don't want to say talent, but that ability uh, is, and technology was something that it was constantly one of those pieces that those, the people that were coming to me needing help with had something to do with. So I felt like I was doing that, but it, at the same time, I was setting up a, stru a structure that would minimize those disruptions in my day. So I could refocus on my why, which is growing my people. Now, we know that discipline is a big thing that assistant principals are faced with. Was there anything you did either proactively or, I guess, reactively that his helped with the amount of time that you have to spend doing discipline? The student discipline was one of the hyperlinks from the landing page, and I really put a standard operating procedure around what does discipline look like. Um, we don't have a school-wide behavior management plan. Um, leave that to our teachers and give them the autonomy to manage their classrooms, how they see most effective, but kind of the steps of at what point do you involve me? And it put responsibility in back into the teacher's hands of if, if once you've involved me in it, I am going to always assume that this, this, and this have taken place before. And then I, it, we don't, there's not really much discussion. Once I'm there, once I've been called, I'm there and I know that those things have occurred. So this student is coming with me and I'm going from there um, and, and going to that next step, which may look like talking to the parent and this or that. Right. And if those things haven't occurred, that student's not coming to you and when you're working with teachers to make sure that those things are occurring, they're effective. So now all of a sudden you don't have as many kids coming to you, which again, another five minutes here, another 20 minutes here, which is that time for you to start going back into the classroom. And I know you're big on looking at the data, which is, I guess, taking us into that, that more proactive phase of where you are today. So do you want to talk about kind of what your focus, you still have discipline, you still have all the stuff, you still have testing, but what is what is your focus? What are the priorities? And how do you make sure that you are working your priorities each day? Yes, that is definitely a one that is going to be a continued, you're always going to be working towards that, um, that in that matrix, working in the, what is most important um, and I don't know if it was one of your daily emails or one of our discussions or but somewhere along the way where we talked about how, or what do you hear from administrators is I need to be in more classrooms. I need to get in the classroom more, but yet it, I'll say that in the month of October. And then I say it two months later in December and I recognized it in October, but nothing changed come December. Why is that? You have to make that conscious decision that I like I am going to be in classrooms 
and if, unless the, the school building is burning down or our superintendent walks through the door and asks for me by name, I'm not called out of those classrooms. And that puts a lot of people, not just the teachers, that can put a lot of people kind of feeling a little on edge. I, I definitely saw, see that in the days that it's just myself and my principal on the administrative team. And when my principal is at a principal's meeting or there are days that, believe it or not, principals don't come to school 365 days <laughs> of the year. So on the days that we're in session and my principal is not there, if I'm tied up in something, I can feel the angst of our front office or our the, the leader isn't readily available at my dis disposal for at any moment and that's uncomfortable for some people so building that confidence up that you have all the capability to handle most that comes your way and uh and that takes some out of something that doesn't come naturally for me that i needed to recognize was building the confidence in others that I I need to uh, communicate it to that to build their confidence. And yes, it needs to be authentic. And yes, it, it needs to be real. And sometimes because I am the, I'll work 24 seven and I will go find the professional development and I will put everything on my plate. I think everybody else is fully capable of doing that as well. And then I miss opportunities to, to give that, that praise of you, you've got this, you're doing a really good job, or that was a terrible example because I know about feedback, it should be specific, but you do a fabulous job welcoming anyone who walks through those doors into our school building, you're warm and friendly, and I can't thank you enough for being the face of our school. I don't need to hear that myself from people so I forget that to do that all the time and I know that got off base from my strategic um but those it's like I said I'm celebrating self-awareness is all of it kind of in a non about me way comes back to the me and I was looking at everybody else and where their deficits were and then how can I plan to fill the grow them by by not or attending to their deficits where when I looked inward at my my why was I brought here into a leadership role and then started making decisions about is this work is this task is this conversation strategic or is it reactive and I asked myself that in increments throughout the day all every day now is am I reacting to what's been put in front of me or I'm catching myself worrying or thinking about how the teachers or the staff are going to react to a decision I've made and that's not why I'm making the decision to please all of them I'm making the decisions to lead this school building for what's best for our students and 
when I was able to recognize that and fully believe that the staff we have is a majority made up of what my principal and I have have brought in. So it's no longer a staff of I came in and they were already there. And then, so I believe that our staff as a whole sees that if I'm making this decision, that even if they don't know all of the aspects of what went into that decision, they know that I am a student-centered leader and I'm basing it off of the students. And that comes with relationships, that comes with, but it does, the relationship wasn't built on solving all their problems or doing everything for them. It was recognizing that I know, I know what strong teaching looks like, sounds like, feels like. I have a creative mind and in that I can look outside of the box to problem solve or bring in ideas that maybe haven't been considered before to attack a problem. And we've seen in the three years under a principal and my leadership, huge gains. And that also that also helps the calls, right? Is yes. when when those <laughs> when the, that data comes back and those big decisions or those big shifts that you've influenced making seem to be paying off. That that collective efficacy really suits yeah. suits yeah. up. So that's kind of been my. I definitely want to say I've come full circle. And you said. Um, when was it last Wednesday that being a strategic leader is not a one-way journey. It's a series of round trips of falling back into urgent mode and escaping again. Yeah. And I, I highlighted, circled, starred that I not to go into the pit of I'm a failure. If I fall back into urgent mm -hmm. mode, I'm, we're shy. We're just shy of winter map, um, which I could, I can fall into urgent mode when we go into a testing window for sure. Yeah. And Hey, can I take you back to something? Before? Absolutely. Um, and then we'll probably start to wrap this up, but you know, you talked about building structures and procedures. So it, we can think when teachers are coming to us all the time, in a way we've built structures and procedures to funnel them to us which is why we're busy all the time. And what you're talking about is rebuilding the funnel so that it goes in different places. But then the other piece that you mentioned, and I want listeners to really attend to it, you then educated and developed people's capacities to take care of the new funnel, to deal with that. So you're in classrooms, there's other things that are gonna have to happen to deal with the things that used to come to you while you're in a classroom. And you were intentional about building those things and then developing people's confidence and their abilities to, to adapt and to carry out those new procedures. So, and I think that like, that's the biggest jump because now you're priority driven and it begins with the classroom and it begins with supporting teachers. So th this has been great. And there's lots more to unpack and, and I would like to do that, but I also want to, um, Start to wrap this up. We good? Sounds good. Okay. So um, 
You know, I always end with three questions. So the first one is, what part of your journey are you still trying to get better at? You'll have to repeat it. You froze. Uh, I got what part of your journey? <laughs> so what part of your leadership journey are you still trying to get better at? I am always going to be in a place of ensuring I don't shy away from conversations that need to be had because they're difficult and building a network or a following of people who are strong in that. Um, you have brought on, and I've shared with you how highly I think of, of her, um, Dr. Hempel from North Carolina, you've brought her on to the podcast several times and I, her two, I think her two session, her two podcast interviews, I've listened to multiple times, like more than two times. Whenever I get into a, a rut or a feeling like I can't articulate what I am feeling, I listen to that. And she's very strong in it, her ability to articulate. If you listen to them, you would never know that the education is in the state that it's, it's in because she has this beautiful way of describing education that is empowering and uplifting and she's not talking about not having difficult conversations. She's actually talking about taking them head on, having the courage and and uh, to to have those conversations because she recognizes their worth and is willing to put the awkwardness aside or is able to. She's developed the the skill of verbalizing in a way that doesn't tear anybody down it doesn't make anybody it, it really uplifts them while still holding them accountable and i think that's an art yeah that i, I want to continue to improve on yeah and and dr Hemphill is one of the best so that's that was uh episode 26 for for people that want to go back and revisit that <laughs> and she told a, a particularly powerful example of holding a teacher accountable but in a way that built that teacher um that, that was really good. And then uh, we had her back on for episode 63. So if listeners want to go revisit those. So if people, if especially first year principals or second year principals, assistant principals, if our new assistant principals could take away just one thing from today's podcast, what, what would that be? I think it would be to... And make sure, be aware of not falling into, it's so easy to fall into everybody else. And yes, people is one of the four pillars of strategic leadership. We, we pour into our people and we have little people and grown people to, <laughs> to invest in and pour into. Um, but by 
also may ensure that that time to invest in yourself is prioritized would be what I feel like that um, any APs listening or any any leader um, listening takes away from it is are you scheduling yourself you're gonna you have to invest in yourself in order to lead and I I think I stole that from Dr. Hemphill said it or you said it in in your talk with her um, and she shared that she goes on leadership sabbaticals and if I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me what are you doing to care for yourself and I didn't have an answer because I felt like answering that I'm reading a book about becoming a stronger leader or I'm um, investing time and in having a conversation, a professional conversation around being a leader on a day off, on a day, a holiday off. I didn't recognize that as investing in myself or I didn't recognize that as that can be self-care because it's still work-related or it's still, but it is for me and to hear someone else say that, that they take a leadership sabbatical to go with all of their stuff and to be in a private setting to that, that really grew me because that is self-care for me is the ability to, to step away from it so that I can dive into it, believe it or not. <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of one of those things that I guess is it's ironic in that when we invest in our own learning and we're selfish about that and we take that time for us it does make us better leaders for everybody else but it also it does renew um, because there's nothing like growth to help you help you feel better which i think takes us full circle because you you began celebrating about some of your recent breakthroughs in growth but you only got to those because you consistently take the time to invest in your own learning. And we have an Apex event. I know you're going to be there. You'll be maybe in the van. <laughs> you may have kids have crawling on the desk, that. but but you're there. And and I think that's the that's a priority because you you could be spending that time doing something else, but you're investing in yourself. And I think consequently you are a better parent, a better leader, and and a happier person. Okay. You get, you get one more thing to share with listeners if there's anything else that you would like to share. I think that the last piece here is I would be remiss if I didn't speak to the uniqueness of the state of education right now. And it's been kind of dipped into in some of the podcast episodes of mental health and and really that there, there's been a huge shift in what the world or the our nation sees as the purpose of education k-12 education and everyone's role from parent to teacher to administrator to and I feel like we are working hard to put those resources in place in a school building that are necessary to meet the needs of our students and so I guess my my leaving it is if you're in education 
really ask yourself, is this a result of, is this mental health related? Is this a counselor related or is this disciplinary? And you kind of have to recognize that shift that has occurred in education in order to differentiate because what was always disciplinary now is not, uh, to put it black and white right. is. And now that there are people uh, that have done the research or have had the experiences and are sharing them and allowing for us to absorb this new knowledge. If you aren't, if you are a veteran teacher who was a part of, who was an educator when it was, your job is to educate and that your students come to school with the understanding that you are the, you, they respect you because you're the teacher and they listen to you because you're the teacher and, and they will be held accountable at home if they don't because the shift has occurred, if you haven't taken the time to shift to, please look at that. And I don't say that to say, I have too much discipline that I'm looking, I am looking at, but if I gather data around the, the conversation, I'd say 90% of them are a counselor, a social emotional, a mental health, a issue and not a disciplinary issue and so lean on those if you're a leader lean on those those supports those counselors those sites if you're a teacher invest the time in understanding the ch uh, today's child because today's child is so much different than 20 years ago yeah well and th that's so thank you for sharing that and it's so consistent with being a strategic leader because strategic leaders focus on figuring out what the problem is, not just treating symptoms. And that's exactly what you're talking about. And to meet the needs of kids, we need to understand what the problem is, not just slap a Band-Aid on the outside of it. Ah, thank you, Maria. This thank has been you, rich. Dr. Plus. Yeah, I uh, always have, always, yes, it has. Yeah, I wish we had three more hours, but <laughs> you'll have to come back again. <laughs> right? Okay, of course, so. always. Yeah, okay. That wraps up today's show. Um, I'm always trying to improve the show. So if you have feedback, you can email me at frederick at frederickbuskey. I'll also depart from the regular closure today and just emphasize so much of what you heard Maria talking about was really being intentional. And, and the thing that helps you move forward is to be intentional every day. And, and the, one of the most challenging things is to be intentional every day. So if, if you get my daily email, that is one great way to set an intention. If you're on our quadrant two list, then every couple of weeks, you'll get something from us that will, again, help you focus and be intentional. And certainly if you're in the Apex community, those are opportunities to work with your, your peers and, again, to have reinforcements for that intentionality. So no matter how you do it, as you work through your leadership and you're in that journey, build in some of those supports that are going to help you be intentional. All right, that wraps up today's show. I'm Frederick Buskey, and I hope you'll join me next time for the Assistant Principal Podcast. Cheers. <laughs>